0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31 clean his clock.
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday.
1: Russell has time. Fires down the middle. Got his man Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again.
0: Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast as we wrap up the Seahawks 2016 season. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for your Seattle Seahawks, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And John, I think we can both smile a little bit more. It's It's been a couple of days.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, you, you kind of get to that point where you can get the sting of the loss past yeah. you. Yeah. And- Look at the big picture a little more.
1: Well, and I think that that's a good goal to do as we kind of wrap up the season is to look at big picture, where the team ended, where the team is at, and where they can potentially go. Because I know that that's a conversation that a lot of fans are having right now. And there's a little bit of consternation about, oh man, have they missed their window of opportunity? But in general, when you listen to Pete talk, they're right in the middle of this. You know, I I would not expect Pete to be anything other than optimistic, he has got it in full dose and full force.
0: Yeah, and I think for a really good reason. Look, it's it would have been great if they could have gone to the Super Bowl this year or last year, but it's, it's really hard to be that final one or two team standing. And they've still done a lot of good things the last couple of years. And if you, you want to look at kind of the big picture, if you want to take the most simple, easy view, here's two things they have that every good NFL team needs, a quarterback and a head coach and neither of those guys are going anywhere. Russell Wilson's really just to the point he should be getting his prime. But then if we want to look at the roster much more detailed, they're in great shape all over the board. Most of their key guys are locked up for a while. This defense, they're a veteran defense, but they're not an old defense. I mean, all these guys who are, you know, the most important star guys on there, they're, you know, yeah, they're not 24 anymore, but they're not in their 30s either. They're 27, 28 years old. I mean, Doug Baldwin talked about this. As you get older and you've been in the league, it does sting a little more knowing we got this far and didn't finish it. But there's no reason to think they shouldn't be back in a similar position.
1: Before we get talking about kind of what the future holds for the team, here's the question that I keep getting asked most often, and, and that is this. What's the one reason why the Seahawks couldn't advance and couldn't quite pull it off this year?
0: Um, boy, to say there's one is hard. I, I think, I mean, the one word that we keep hearing is inconsistency, but there's a lot of reasons for that. So it's hard to just say they're inconsistent because of X and Y, but, um, I mean, the easiest thing to look at, and it sounds like an excuse, but when you look at the guys, it's valid that they had a lot of injuries to very important players. You played a good chunk of the season with a quarterback who wasn't right. You missed both your pro bowl safeties, missed time. Michael Bennett, this team is so reliant on its running game when it's right, and they didn't have Thomas Rawls for a good chunk of the season. He didn't, they didn't have, have CJ Proseis so, for a lot. you know, again, every team goes through injuries, but some teams get hit harder than others, and generally the ones that tend to have the most success have fewer. So... They, they had to deal with a lot.
1: But do you think that that shows that the Seahawks actually do have a lot of good depth? Because I would look at that and say, man, there's a lot of teams that could not have yeah, overcome that. They wouldn't sure. have even gotten to that 10-win mark. They wouldn't have won the division, and they wouldn't have even been in the playoffs. So I think, you know, if I'm looking for the silver lining, as I often try to, what you saw was the Seahawks' depth get tested, and for the most part, withstand it... Up until the end where you just have to be firing on all, on all cylinders and you couldn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, when we go to the wide end, they advance. Part of that is just they ran into a really good team in Atlanta. Of and course. Falcons it- played really well. But I think a lot of teams in similar situations injured. I mean, we talk about all the time when teams lose their quarterback, season's done. CX didn't lose their quarterback, but they played with a very limited version of them. And then they lost arguably the most important player on their defense. So, yeah, I mean, I think some teams with a little different makeup and Maybe a different coach and different things could have had this season instead of being a okay, they weren't quite their best and they still went to the playoffs. It could have been a seven and nine, six and 10 year and you're out of the playoffs.
1: We look at that word inconsistency, and I know that you and I have talked about that a lot on a weekly basis, and it's something that's come up from the players and the coaches. Here's the other thing I think people are going to look at when they look at the struggles and the challenges, and that would be the offensive line for the yeah. Seahawks. And how did Pete kind of frame that part of the conversation? Because I know he said, look, they're an easy target. And that's not the whole story.
0: No. I mean, they would have liked that group to be more consistent and play better this year. But I think, I mean, Pete's an optimist. He's going to always see the the bright side of it. But there's, I mean, there's so much room for improvement in that group because you've got a rookie left tackle who barely played. You have a rookie guard. You have the other guard played only one game last year before this. So it's, I mean, we don't know what's going to be the same five guys. They could sign somebody. They're going to almost surely draft at least one or two linemen. You know, Riso Diambo will factor into the, com- to, to the competition. So it won't necessarily be the same group, but even if it is, just, With the natural growth guys go through, especially into their second season, it should be a lot better.
1: So we know that the inconsistency factor and the injuries led to where they are now. So I guess the next logical question is what's next? And let's take that immediately. What's next? What do Pete and John do now? What do the players do? What happens when the offseason gets going?
0: Yeah, I mean, for the players, it's usually kind of just recover and relax first. How much can depend on how old they are, how much they play. I mean, if you're a rookie who barely played this year, you're probably going to get right back to working out and get ready. If you're a 28-year-old who's beat up and play it every day, and then you might take a few weeks off and well-deserved. And so, uh, you know, every, every guy varies, but most of them say they'll take a few weeks and then they'll get back at it, get working out, all that. Coaches, you know, they, they relax a little, but it's the offseason is short for those guys because, well, there's coaches, talent evaluators. They've got – there's senior bowl coming up. There's the combine. they got to get ready for the draft. You know, there's coaches being looked at for other jobs, so maybe you're having to replace a coach. That was something Pete Carroll touched on. You know, so – Everybody gets to kind of catch their breath, uh, maybe get a little sun, relax a little, but they're back at work pretty quick.
1: I laugh at the fact that you said, "If you're the 28-year-old, your body needs a little more time to recover." I can't wait till those guys, you know, well, get up there I, a few I years. Yes, you know, I realize I'm I'm a lot older than that too. But I yeah, know for, it's just it is it is older. Yes, you're, on the NFL you don't players, recover as fast I, in your seventh again, season that's as true. your first. You just wait until you're getting up at you know the. Age of 37 or 38. You can't figure out why in the world you're sore in the morning. It's just like, what in the world? Anyway, I digress. So you're talking about kind of what the coaches and the players are doing. How about the talent evaluation? Because we know that the combine is coming up, yeah, right? And the, and End February, of February and
0: March. Yeah. They pushed it back a week.
1: They did which is all designed to give them a little bit more time to evaluate talent, get their pieces in order. Because I I know for the fans, you don't realize how short this part of the season really is and how much time a playoff team loses in that talent evaluation. I was talking to one of our stats guys on the way out of the building after they had just cleaned out the, the players' lockers. And I said, well, when does your off-season start? You know, when do you get into that part? He goes, actually, I started about three weeks ago. You know, I, I had to get stuff in order so that we can come to the office tomorrow and start working on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- for those guys, anybody involved in talent acquisition, draft, all that stuff, it's, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is when their busy season gets going because you need to be on it, whether it's, I mean, first of all, they're looking at their own roster of saying, okay, the season's over what do we need what you know where can we get better uh, you know how's free agency going to affect our current roster who could be going all that stuff and then you're looking at the outside stuff other teams free agents you're looking at draft all that stuff so this you know, as a fan, you say football's over, you can stop thinking about it maybe until the draft weekend, but these guys are all over it.
1: Well, and they've done such a good job in acquiring the right talent, and I think that's evident by the career years that some of these guys had. When you take a look at the talent on this team, and I know it's one of the things you said that means the Seahawks are right in the middle of all of this, who do you look at as having just the best year. I'm gonna ask you the, the three questions, kind of the the best year, the biggest surprise, and the biggest kind of promise for the future. So those are the three categories like that we're it. working with right now. So I... biggest year, best year
0: i got to go with Bobby Wagner. I mean, he's a first-team All-Pro. He's been a great player his whole career, but just seems to keep getting better. And I mean, again, there's great players, both sides of the ball, who had great years, but I think just week in, week out. We talked about this after, I think it was the last regular season game, where it was almost the most remarkable thing is how unremarkable these 12-tackle, two-sack games felt because he just kept doing it week in and week out, and the the consistency was so good.
1: Yeah, I I would... I would absolutely put Bobby in there. And I'm also going to throw, you know, maybe Deshaun shed into part of the conversation of just taking on such a large role yeah. and, and doing it so seamlessly. It seemed like, you know,
0: no, he had a great season. Un- really unfortunate the way it ended for course, him with a serious knee injury. But the thing about being that, that other cornerback in Seattle's defense, the non-Richard Sherman cornerback, you're going to get picked on. Teams are going to come at you a lot and he, time after time, I mean, look, he got beat occasionally. It's going to happen to any cornerback, but he was really good this year. And this is a guy that, you know, it's, we've talked about it before, but such a cool story to work his way up from, you know, one double A school, pra- undrafted practice squad for almost two seasons, special teamer, and now
1: special team captain this yeah. year. And he and barely he played, played special teams because he was too important <laughs> he to the was defenses. So good on defense. Yeah.
0: Such a cool story. And yeah, he had a great season. Pete talked about that a little bit yesterday, that you know, he was a guy that just really kind of stepped up his game.
1: Yeah. Okay, so biggest surprise. And let's go pleasant surprise on this. <laughs> there we one. go.
0: Um, I gotta go with Justin Britt. I mean, this is a guy that didn't play. Poorly, but didn't necessarily stand out his first two years and, you know, got moved positions from his rookie year from guard or tackle to guard. Struggled at times with that adjustment. And then you find out going into this year, they're going to look at him at another position. And you're thinking, well, this guy didn't work at one position. And then another one is a third position in three years, really the best thing for him. And he was their best lineman all year. I mean, he mm-hmm. played phenomenal. It wasn't just that he survived that transition. He, it's by far the best he's played, and he seems to have really found a home. He kind of joked how excited he is to go into an offseason knowing he gets to stay at a position, not yeah. have to learn a new one. Yeah,
1: he's not doing double but time yeah, I mean, trying to learn.
0: He he just had a great season, and to do that from you know having to change positions to one that maybe isn't the physically hardest of the offensive line, but mentally requires the most to to learn it that quick and do that well was really cool and really encouraging for them going forward to to settle on that.
1: Well, if you pick him as your biggest surprise, I am going to pick George Fant as my big surprise on that one because we can't just keep copying each other I mean we could we but could what but that's fun boring. is that yeah. yeah yeah I would say George Fant you know nobody expected him um, to move into that role and I remember I think sitting with you during training camp and having Dave Wyman and somebody say hey you know I, I was talking to Tom Cable I was talking to these guys and and they really like this George Fant kid so so don't forget about him don't yeah. sleep on him and we're kind of like yeah I guess I don't I don't know that that's going to be a factor this year. And gosh darn it, did he come in and play well and adapt on the fly for somebody who hadn't really played much football before. So I thought that was a cool story. No, it
0: was really cool. I mean, when when exactly what you're saying, we heard, you know, they really like this guy. My thought is, okay, he's practice squad. He's a project. Okay, he makes a roster, but he's just going to be inactive every week and just develop him. And for him to come in and eventually take over starting job, look, he wasn't perfect. He struggled at times, sure which is inevitable. Did. This guy didn't play football really regularly since like eighth grade. So, uh, this is when we talked about the O line earlier and the potential for growth. This is a big reason why they're excited. Is how much better should this guy get just mm-hmm. with what he went through this year, and then he's going to have a full off season to learn and get physically ready for it. I mean, yeah, it's it's a cool story and one that if he keeps that starting job and becomes a good player for them would be quite the find.
1: Well, he could either go into that most surprising, biggest surprise, or he could go into our last category of just kind of where you see the most promise, the player that flashed where you just want to see more. But I'm not going to put words into your mouth. Who is that for you?
0: Well, that is a good one, But so we can keep talking about different guys. I, You know, as good as he was this year, I'd say Frank Clark. Just I mean, oh. if you look at from year one to year two to go from – you know, didn't get as much playing time. I get like three sacks in the regular season to a 10 sack guy. I mean, that's a great season right there, double digit sacks. And you could argue he could have been in that, you know, most improved from year one to yeah. year two category. But I, when I just look at down the road, I mean, I remember Michael Bennett when Clark was a rookie saying this guy's more, you know, physically more gifted, could be better than me. And Michael Bennett is such a good player. I don't want to put that on Frank Clark yet. But when you look at just the physical tools, and defensive linemen tend to develop a little later. We've seen this team sometimes struggle. to. That, that's why we see so many veterans, these free agents, mm-hmm. come in, whether it's the Taubo Rubin, Tony McDaniel, and play. It's hard. Physically, yeah. it's demanding. The the mental side of just learning all the tricks of the trade. So to be as good as he was in year two, I could see some really great things for him going yeah, forward.
1: Yeah, and some maturity that came through, yeah. just growth in all areas. I like that one, but I'm going to stay on the um... – offensive side of the ball and I'm going to go CJ Proceis yeah he flashed just and I wish we could have seen him in more games and I think that's probably where I'd like to see him take the biggest kind of biggest step forward is staying healthy and I I know that some people say well you can't help that and I would agree you you can't help having a shoulder injury like he did right You, you land wrong you get tackled But I think some of the other things that comes with being a professional and knowing how to take care of your body and knowing when to push it and when to not. We've had a number of players, particularly wide receivers, will say things like this. You know, Paul Richardson's a good example. Yeah, It's not that he wasn't trying to. Again, it's you just, just learn how different to do it. tricks, yeah. right? You you learn from other people, and I hope that that's one of the things that CJ can kind of work on. Because man, did, is he so versatile so, I mean, and it, so, it, oh.
0: the the times we saw him when he was right, it was very impressive. It, it was interesting. Pete touched on that yesterday. It it was he was pretty frank about it. That someone asked about his durability, and he said, "I you know I can't say that's not a concern because it it was not just one thing. It was." the hamstring and camp and the wrist the, I mean, early just a lot on of different things the so shoulder, it's yeah. you know the good news is he was healthy throughout his college career so this isn't a long pattern of issues but as you said there there's some some a lot of injuries in football inevitable. No, a guy falls on your leg and you break your leg or t- yeah. sprain your ankle that that's hard to avoid but there that's is learning how issue. to train yeah. right and you know get everything right and hopefully we see a healthier version of him next year because the potential was very tantalizing.
1: Yes, and we know that we're going to see him back this year. And the last thing that I want to touch on is, you know, who might – we not see back that was a really poor way of asking Uh, the question right but 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 you mentioned that for the most part this team is in good shape when it comes to free agents the core pieces on defense are locked up but there's a couple of names out there where you know we just don't know what the status is you know and I think that the two that come to mind for me would be Stephen Hauschka and Luke Wilson.
0: Yeah, and Mike Morgan, who was a starter Morgan's for you this year. Good yeah, one. I mean, every team's going to lose guys in free agency. We don't know for sure what will happen with any of those guys. But, yeah, those are kind of the, the most prominent r- guys who are in the most prominent roles. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, more often than not, it's not an issue of not wanting guys back. It's just whether you can make it all pencil out financially. So, um, you know, Luke Wilson talked... The other day, when they're cleaning out their lockers, about that on Sunday, that you know he he love to be back. He he kind of got a little emotional about it, just how much he loves it here. And I think that's a free agency is hard for any player, but the first time I think is tough because it's all they you know all he knows in the NFL is being here, and to suddenly face you know maybe I leave that's that's tough. It's maybe a little easier if you're a a veteran in your fourth contract and you you know the the business side of it a little better. But it's that's always tough. um But again, I think the the more important thing is the way they've, they've done a really good job over the years of identifying their core guys and getting these deals done before it gets to this point. We haven't seen many of their very top you know, pro bowl caliber guys ever get to free agency, and that's a big deal for the front office.
1: Which also means that uh, for all the 12s who have purchased their jerseys, they should, for the most part, <laughs> I think, they're still going to be good for next year.
0: I think so. That's, yeah. My Whenever my friends or relatives ask what jersey to get, I, I tell them to look at the contracts. And <laughs> make sure. Find, find somebody who's young <laughs> and under contract under for a while. Under contract
1: for a while. That's really good <laughs> advice. You know, that might not be the most popular advice, but that's really good advice. And I tell you what, we thank you so much for joining us throughout the season. We have had a blast talking with each other, talking with you. And I don't know that we're going to be able to wait until we the we'll start of back. next year. Maybe,
0: maybe we'll talk about the combine or the draft. We've or? Got,
1: yeah, I think.
0: Off-season workouts will kick up. We can talk about minicamp, OTAs, all that
1: stuff. NFL is now a year-round it really sport. really And so I'm pretty sure that we can find something to talk about between now and then to make sure that those of you who have listened to the Seahawks Insider Podcast all year long get your fill of Seahawks even in the off-season. Thank you so much for joining us. For John Boyle, I'm Jen Mueller. We'll talk to you again soon.